0: The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcasters and players. Now, onto your Saturday morning cartoon. Over one year ago, movies and Saturday morning cartoons ruled. It was a time of nerds. It was a world of nostalgia. It was an age of dudes.
1: Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal.
0: Now, here in Ohio and New Jersey. The show is happening. We record again! We are recorders of the night. We are two dudes. Oh no!
1: welcome everyone to two dudes one double feature the show in which two dudes talk two films and that is about it i am dude one richard and i'm Dude Two, joe today we got some fun and exciting things to talk about in the beginning of year two of two dudes one double feature but before we get into any of that obviously i must ask as always how are you dude two
0: i'm good um I we just had my grandmother over our house for the first time since December 2019. Uh shout out to Nana. Had her over for a hot dog. Uh it was good. You know, we we've
1: been I've met her in person. She's a very nice lady. Yeah, she's she's
0: absolute sweetheart. Um so it was it was really nice. It, It felt like a normal like a normal thing to do. She's vaccinated, we're all vaccinated. Um
1: she actually had battled covid a couple months couple months ago i remember you were telling me about that so i'm glad i'm glad that she was able to get that and i was able she's she's fine now
0: thank goodness uh for for that um yeah and uh, aside from that not much uh not much has been going on in my universe i mean we talk every day and we recorded <laughs> one of these not that long ago so we're, it's we're like, getting
1: we're getting back on track with this a little bit more yeah so like, which if, is if, nice if, if there's a short
0: pre-show that means we're we're doing what we like to think is a good job,
1: because <laughs> we're just like, should we tell the same story? Sure, <laughs> just, just make it sound different, I guess. But
0: but also, I booked some uh, booked some things for um, an exciting, uh, not not directly related to this project, but
1: relate somewhat related to our future. Should we should we announce it? Can we say something about it? I mean, we're pretty set in stone with it, aren't we? Or are we are we jumping the gun a little bit are we are we jumping the gun a little bit
0: just to just to just to keep them on the edge of their seats even though there's probably people who already know edge
1: of your seats is
0: a pretty apt way to describe it
1: as well i do have
0: one thing to say (laughs) i do have one thing to say uh i was this is in relation to our uh little almighty episode when we were like teasing it and i retweeted when you did the jim carrey tease (laughs) right and i said i'll say this i I, i'll say this much it was rough and then, and then Chris Chris Olivier, the great, brilliant Chris Olivier, very talented dude, uh, tw- tweets at me and is just like, you know, eh, you know, little Nikki's pretty rough too. And I said, I'd take little Nikki over Bruce Almighty any day. And I'm like, and I deleted the tweet thinking, wait a minute, we didn't even put out the Bruce Almighty thing.
1: Nope. <laughs> but you know what? He guessed it. I'll give him that. He was able to he was the only one on that note who was able to guess it. Everyone else when when it was the the Jim Carrey half of it came about, I got I got the mask a lot. And I'm like, listen, I would I would have loved for it to have been the mask. <laughs> I would have probably been more happy if it were the mask, but it wasn't. No. So that that was that was kind
0: of funny. He just messaged me. He's like, Did you just delete that just to like I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> But we we got the chat a little bit and that and uh, I was like Chris is a cool dude.
1: Um shout out to Chris. Um but aside from that, I don't have much to say. How are you? Uh I'm all right, I guess. I will say something really sort of random happened recently. I mean, I, it was random in that I didn't know cuz I mean there was articles about it that was going to happen for for a bunch of people, but um I I'm, I'm opening my bank account cuz I want to see if I got my paycheck from work and I notice like Almost twelve hundred dollars shows up in my bank account. I'm like, what? Which, I mean, this past year, that's happened quite a few times. At times, I was used to it because obviously I got like the the six hundred dollars a week thing during uh, summer last year, um, and then periodically when they release stimulus checks, you know, I got I got everything. So I'm lucky. I, I'm lucky that that happened because I know some people never got anything and. But they said that for tax reasons, um, if you were filing for unemployment last year, they were going to send out more money. So I didn't know that was happening at all. So I open up my my bank account and I get and I see again, like probably a couple dollars away from twelve hundred dollars, and I'm like, I'm like really nervous. I'm like, oh god, did they over? I thought I already got my tax return. Did they give me more money? Oh god, oh god. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, do I call who do I call? Who do I say, uh, you I don't need like I I would I appreciate it, but I don't think I'm allowed to have this. Thankfully I am. So that was nice. Um so that was kind of weird, but it it was it, it felt nice to have a little bit more money and then the, literally that same week I got my paycheck from work, so I so it's it kind of nice to to have that and it helps me afford things. Um, that are related to things that we are not going to talk about just yet. Red- <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Strike it from the record. Um, other than that, uh, I bought a lot of movies recently. Um, they're like they're always sitting next to me. So, like, I have um, I bought Total Recall four uh, K, which I hadn't seen Total Recall in a really long time, so it was nice to revisit that. Um, I bought robin hood the disney robin hood which i bought it because a i wanted to watch it because I, I i remember maybe watching it when i was really really young because i remember bits and pieces but i don't remember the whole thing and uh it was seven dollars which i don't really find disney movies for seven bucks which is kind of nice so it was kind of one of those opportunities to be like yeah i'll take that yeah i'll, I'll just i'll just take that off the shelf and i think there was like one copy left anyway so that was nice um and then uh what else i got that new um indiana jones set well it's not new because it's like a reissue of the old blu-ray set i didn't get the 4k set because i don't have a 4k setup and it didn't come with blu-rays but um i know there's and i know there's some like delays going on with that because i know you ordered it but you haven't gotten it yet
0: yeah i'm still waiting on mine but i think if you're if you want to get the steelbook of the 4K at from Best Buy, that's available. But just be mindful that Steelbook set does not come with the bonus disc, um, because it's just the, it's just the four movies, and the only bonus features each of them has would be like the theatrical trailer or whatever.
1: Be aware of that. Um, I did see two copies of the Steelbook when I went to Best Buy, but I didn't see it anywhere else. So I was like, I was kind of like, wow, that kind of sucks. But um, you know. At least, uh, I guess, if you ordered the steel book, you know, I hope you're, I hope you're having a good time with your, your 4K copy of Indiana Jones the whole series. Now I'm just rewatching them. I'm in the middle of Last Crusade at the moment.
0: Oh wow! I didn't even get to read your Temple of Doom review yet.
1: Oh yeah, you can read it after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <boy. laughs> it's. I'll just say it's been a while since I've seen it. I mean, and I, I remember. The first time watching it, like going into it with the notion that this was like one of the better ones, like because I know it was around that time. All anytime anyone ever talked about it, they would be like, "Oh my god, Temple of Doom, so good! You're gonna love Temple of Doom." And I watch it, and I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> this is this is dark." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's
0: it's dark, but it has a weird tone. Temp- Temple of yeah. Doom is a very strange, like Raiders is very consistent in, in It's in consistent what it is. and it's whimsical. Like there's a whimsy to it. Well like I feel like the whimsy in certain scenes in Temple of Doom is amped up, particularly in the music.
1: Like <laughs> Yeah. Like like they they it, the, make no mistake, there are there are there's definitely whimsy, but then there's literally a point they they just get rid of it.
0: <laughs> like it's just no, gone. Well there's like it, there's like some parts where it's like it, it's just like oh my gosh. Really? really guys and then you go oh um i gotta cover little johnny's eyes that was a little intense
1: cover little johnny's eyes i gotta cover my own eyes (laughs) like oh yeah because because temple of
0: doom is sort of one of those movies that is often talked about as like sort of leading into pg-13 because it was a pg movie it
1: was like it was like that and gremlins were sort of that and gremlins yeah sort of like the the deciders because like because temple of doom Probably
0: shouldn't have been a PG movie, but it probably shouldn't have it shouldn't have been a rated R movie either.
1: So Mm-mm. it was is is weird, yeah, kind of a weird balance on that one. Uh But you watch it and you can see why, you know.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for it to get those 4K discs. I've seen some screenshots from they them, look good. and I they look excellent. And I thought the Blu-ray from like a while ago looked great, but it's like there was a lot there. There's a lot of things that they were able to actually improve, so it's kind of cool. Honestly, that is
1: that is really cool. I do wish they were able to do that because I remember you were saying that people you heard that the Blu-rays for the for the regular release had the 4K transfer. Sadly, it's just the regular discs, so it would have been cool. But you know, it is what it is. I think there's the blu rays still look good for what they are. Yeah, those I think like so too. I'm not. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm not offended by those. I'd watch those. Nah. You know. Yeah. I, I think. I honestly, it's like one of those things where if I wasn't waiting for the 4K, I just pull them out right now and just watch those movies.
1: <laughs> like you don't want to, you don't want to spoil the experience until you get that 4K.
0: You know. Uh, honestly, I was going to give. Uh, I'm going to have a suggestion for for an episode change, but we'll get to that. We'll get um, to that. We'll get to that. But is there
1: anything else you wanted to talk about this week, um, my friend? Outside of our films. <laughs> Not nothing nothing strikes me particularly. Again, I mean I just got a bunch of movies. Um I did get two other movies that well, one of them I want to try to incorporate into the show so I don't want to talk about it too much. Um the other one uh is in that same genre. It they're they're Jallo films. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jallo films?
0: Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Um I got uh Deep Red and Blood and Black Lace from the this arrow sale that was going on on family video which i just heard is closing all locations that kind of sucks but you know i kind of it's nice that it was able to last as long as it did um so i got those um and if you don't know what a Jalo film is uh I, I would probably talk for hours about that so i'm not gonna go into it. i'll just say google it <laughs> for now just maybe make a video <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm busy right now with with a different video <laughs> and well, I, have make, a, make I have a make a video have, later make a video afterwards i'll think about that sure but sure no nah, that's about it for me honestly good but i am excited for this week's double feature though
0: yeah so this one we talked about doing this a while ago because obviously you, you you've read the title already folks unless you're just blindly listening to these episodes which I would like to think that maybe at some point somebody just presses shuffle and they just listen to random two dudes episodes.
1: I think you could do that on Spotify. Probably you could, but that. I I, I yeah. don't
0: know if anybody's doing it. That that would actually be kind of be kind of awesome,
1: honestly. Yeah, so so it just happens to be like, "What? Oh, what is this? I'm going to keep listening to these guys."
0: Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, obviously you wanted to take me through one of the main things of the podcast is my journey through, you know, the 90s Batman uh films. Mhm and uh we had to do this one but we, but we were like okay what are we gonna pair it with and i was like when we were like wait a minute wait a minute that's a perfectly good thing we could pair it with. we're gonna talk about that thing later but let's talk about <laughs> we're talk about batman we're actually gonna like, be talking about batman this episode like not yeah. just like a movie with batman
1: but <laughs> he, Batman he's, le- he's leading this conversation without a doubt um uh, what movie is that <laughs> what movie is that richard this is this is the 1993 um, under the radar kind of uh, Batman film. Uh, it's based a lot on the animated series that came out uh, around the same time. It is Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. I do thought I thought, uh, I, I, thought I, I, I thought you were going to be like something. I don't know. <laughs> I no. was I was getting ready like no, but
0: Batman, <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm. Now I feel like it's one of those weird. I don't want to say weird, one of those nerd opinions with ba- with this particular iteration of Batman that if you don't say that the Bruce Timm, like, DC animated 90s Batman isn't the best Batman outside of the comics, like, there'll be pitchforks against you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's a... I don't know if I've seen that. I know a lot of people have, like, especially in Batman, have their strong opinions opinions.
0: Yeah, people have very strong opinions about this show. It's a really good, it's a great show.
1: If I, if I, I mean, if I had to guess, I I would say, I don't know if I would say that the pitchforks would come out, though I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I would say that, though, this is definitely, like, general, general consensus speaking, that whenever you ask someone who's, like, really into, like, nerd culture and really into Batman, they would probably say this is the best one, as far as, like, this interpretation. Yeah. Because it's got, it's, I mean, it's got everything. That's what I would say because I love this show. This is probably I would also say is like the best interpretation of the character from just not only just in the, you know the way that it's adapted, but also the the stories that are told. the the actual look of the show is fantastic, and even just the fact that it, it balances itself so well that it's able to still be a kids show while also having mature conversations and have that sense of maturity about it. So, it's not trying to be overtly adult, which is obviously a common issue we have with a lot of interpretations of superheroes these days. So it's one of those shows that it has everything you can want in a superhero show, but also everything you can want in a Batman show.
0: It's one of those things that has aged like fine wine, especially if you watched it as a kid enjoying the show as a kid. I remember seeing like seeing a particular like the Christmas <laughs> 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 the Christmas stuff surrounding this show. Uh, and then when you get older, you're like, wow, this is actually good.
1: Like, they're actually, like, telling really good stories. And it's it's interesting and it's smart. But it's not spending, like, two and a half hours to to do this or that. Like, it's, it's precise. Like, it, again, it's got everything you could want. Like, everything.
0: I mean, one of the things I, I think, too, is this movie is short.
1: It's 76 minutes. <laughs> it's a, it's, you breeze, you breeze, it breezes by. It it, it basically is like the minimum requirement w- when it comes to like a runtime for a film. Like it's it's literally like right there and you're good to go. Man,
0: and you, re- you rarely see film. I mean, it's, I think one thing was like the one you have to talk about is that the theatrical release of this was kind of rushed,
1: if I'm not mistaken, or kind of last minute. The whole the whole thing, man, because like at this point, and it was obviously it's the mid '90s, and around '92, I think is when the sh- the show, because like the show came after the Burton movies, and the Burton movies, from a visual standpoint, inspired the visual direction that the show would take, and so like, it, and that's been sort of a tradition uh, with a lot of. Uh, big, like, movies that they would have some sort of animated show to release congruent with it, like, you know, anything superhero-related does that. Batman, anytime a new Batman movie comes out, they'll try to, like, release a show to link to it, like, you know, for example, m- the probably the most recent example would be, and this is apt, considering what we're talking about, um, the Birds of Prey movie had Harley Quinn sort of, like, come around, around the same time, so have that, you know, let's bank on people wanting to get more Harley Quinn content. Brand synergy. Exactly, so they're they're rele- they're releasing the show, and then like a year later, they're still working on season one, and uh, you know it's getting good praise. A lot of people are digging it, and then uh, they start work on the story, uh, mask of the mask of the phantasm, and then. I I remember hearing that they planned for it to be a direct-to-video release, and that was kind of just be like similar to what they did with Batman Sub Zero, and obviously a lot of other animated DC movies later. They wanted to just tell this cool story, uh, like an expanded story that they weren't going to tell on the show. And then um, one of the producers and like Warner Brothers was like, I think I think one of the producers um, made that um, opening. Graphic that opening scene of like the like the CGI buildings in Gotham City and just panning through it, and I guess someone had the idea that it looked so cinematic it needed to be on the big screen at a certain date during Christmas, and they were like, w- w- "What? Yeah, do you want? Are you serious? Are you sure?" Um, we'll, we'll try, I guess. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it was just a really kind of last minute thing that they were like okay so now we have to make this a movie <laughs> shoot <laughs> but i think i think what helped them is that at that point they were they had a really great writing staff they had a really great group of people that all loved the character and knew the character better than most anyone else and so that helped them tell this story and it's a completely original story like it's not pulling from anything Whereas, like, you can look at a lot of other Batman movies and say, okay, Dark Knight is, like, Long Halloween um, to, to a degree. Or they're trying to take from Dark Knight Returns for Batman v Superman and incorporate it some weird way somehow. But this was, like, a totally original thing. And then they are like, okay, we're going to re- release it on Christmas. And this was also the same year that I think Aladdin was coming out. And I think it was also around the same time, or at least as it was being released later, like it was around the same time, like the, like those Disney movies were starting to come out. There was a lot of press for them, a lot of announcements, nothing for Batman, (laughs) no marketing. Um, I was, I was watching a video and Paul Dini had mentioned who was one of the writers, obviously, you know, Batman fans know Paul Dini very well. Um, he, uh, Went to go see the movie with his family at a screening, and they only found one theater playing it with no posters of the movie anywhere. And so, <laughs> like, there was zero marketing for this movie whatsoever outside of maybe a trailer.
0: You know, it's one of those things too. The movie cost—I was looking at Wikipedia, um, and it cost. Let me just pull this up again. I uh, just make sure six million dollars to make, which even back then is not a lot of money for a theatrical film. When you think about, like, especially when you think about the Disney films, they're probably, some of those movies cost probably five, five, ten times that, that oh, budget yeah. back then, easily oh, yeah. for some of those movies. And, um, you know, and then also marketing is very expensive. I imagine marketing this thing probably would have been as expensive, if not more expensive, than the actual movie. Oh, yeah. In certain respects. Oh, yeah. You know, with the uh, It's it's very expensive to make a film print. It's very expensive to like because we're not talking like digital back in the day where you could do like a fathom events like oh let's put Killing Joke out in a bunch of theaters for a night and make a couple million dollars doing that. No,
1: No. you they don't have that luxury.
0: (laughs) You have to ship prints, which costs a lot of money. And you know not to get too much in the economics because we want do want to talk about the actual meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's important to sort of lay that lay that in that this was you know this movie had an uphill battle. Uh, when it came out on home video, it was much more of a success, and um, people love this movie. I mean, anybody who has seen Batman Mask of the Phantasm uh, can
1: attest to its greatness. I mean, I, I don't know if... I mean, I've probably seen, like, one Letterboxd review that was negative, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but no, it's it's one of those movies that, again, you ask... like. I think the general audience, if you ask them, they'd probably be like, oh, Batman or the Dark Knight or, you know, you know, whomever. But I think once people see this movie and see what this movie does, because this movie does everything that all the other Batman movies don't do. One of them being the most important thing (laughs) is that it's about Batman.
0: (laughs) It's very much about Batman, (laughs) about Batman and his and his trauma. You know mm-hmm. that he's experienced in, in his life, um, like we we don't we don't see his parents get shot, which was a nice thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was nice. It's it, it is you know it, one of the more overplayed things in an overplayed thing overall, but uh, they I think that was like a conscious choice to sort of opt out of not showing that because we we because thing is we know what happened to his parents. We we know at this point especially at this point for, you know, this generation, um, we, they, they know everything about Batman. Batman's it's, it's, it's along the lines of like, you know, everyone knows Luke Skywalker is Darth Vader's kid. You know, it's, it's like, you might not have seen anything Batman related, but you just know, but it's,
0: it's one of those, like, it's kind of like with like superheroes, you know, superheroes in, in a sense are kind of like a modern, a modern religion where you could. I don't want to equate Batman to Jesus, but like as far as like figures, people like know the story behind Jesus and people know the story behind yeah. yeah. Yeah, Batman, you know.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um and so it's nice that, you know, they came like they came in from that standpoint going, "Okay, people already know that. I don't think we need to show that. But let's show something else. Let's show something they don't know. Let's show let's show let's show a story that they've never seen about um, him literally the moment before he puts on the cow. Mm-hmm. And so that that's when we get to the the, the sort of backstory revelation. but um, with this one, the, the more the overall narrative is is another thing that's really important is that it's a mystery. That's another thing they don't really do in these movies uh. <laughs> Like sometimes there's plot
0: twists that happen. Yeah, but not so, not so much like a mystery. Like in, in Dark Knight Rises, you have um, you have the the the, Mar- the Marion Cotillard character. Okay, yeah. And then um, you have in what was the other one? Oh, in in Batman eighty nine,
1: <laughs> <So laughs> when, the- when, when the Joker <laughs> turns out to be yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> that that <laughs> happened. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But no like cuz one of the one of the monikers for Batman outside of like The Dark Knight is like the world's greatest detective but they never really show that. Like we don't get we don't ever get to see that. But with this one, he what does he do? He looks for clues. He interrogates people, he gets evidence, he actually pieces nonsense together to find out the end game of everything that's happening in this movie. And it's 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 very nice that they did that and I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like you said, that, that's an element that's just not very much focused. It's usually either, like, the spectacle or, like, oh, Batman's, like, kung fu, you know, kung fu ninja training or, or like, Ben Affleck doing, like, a CrossFit,
1: uh, CrossFit <laughs> training. <laughs> Lifting, dragging a tire or um, various weights of things, which, you know, I, I can't do any of that, so I can't dog on it, but, I mean, cool. <laughs>
0: It, it, it actually, it really just makes me think like of Batman more as like a, like an older, like, like pulp, pulpy type of hero. Yeah. Like Because, because nowadays, like, it you know, cause you, you, you're making these $250 million like spectacle films. You got to have Batman kick some type of ass yes. and have like the Batmobile do some like excessive damage and all that sort of stuff. But, but for this, it, it, it wor- it's appropriate cause the very, it's very, there's very much like a, like a noir co- quality. To the Batman the animated series, and of course Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and like especially with the styling. Like, you look at the cars that you see in, in Gotham and the buildings.
1: It's very, it's very um, like '40s Art Deco kind of mm-hmm. kind of vibes. Exactly. Um, like yeah. Like like it's again, it's that aesthetic that was sort of established in the Burton movies, but also enhanced and and um also to fit like the more pulp vibes but also to fit bruce tim style which obviously is you know the sort of main style they were going for with the animation um but yeah it's a full-on mystery and it's nice and the whole mystery centers around of course the title character outside of batman the phantasm which is a cool name it just i just think it's a really cool name um and it also it a cool <laughs> it's a very cool name um, and the phantasm, uh, which kind of looks like a cross between Phantom of the Opera and the Grim Reaper, with like this crazy like claw hand thing that's like like a it's like a it's like a claw scythe like combo deal, and um, the the phantasm covered in smoke is is basically seeking out these like very specific. Um, crime family like lieutenants or bosses or whatever and whenever the phantasm shows up the phantasm goes like they say their name it's like your angel of death awaits and it's really creepy (laughs) and then um of course uh the phantasm proceeds to kill said person and then the mystery starts who is the phantasm why are they killing these people and uh, what is the end game ultimately and why is the joker involved which in any other instance i think because that, that that character is just a character people like to write um this is just a weird side rant so i apologize but like um in <laughs> like every other instance when people put the joker in a comic or like a story it's just because they like to write the joker like he has no like actual story reason to be there but at least this movie has a story reason so i liked that that's again. That's a whole side thing.
0: They do justify having the Joker in here, though. I'll admit, I think that was the most distracting part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Was the Joker, like, especially towards the end, where it get it gets to be like, you know, like a oh my gosh, like type of climax. There were some fun things though, like where Bat- Batman becomes a kaiju.
1: <laughs> that was great. Like, like it's 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 that scene is like the perfect like Joey scene because it's a, it's set in a dark ride. <laughs> in a giant city where all the characters are like small but then batman and the joker are big and then of course batman gets attacked by planes and who else who, who else did that have ha- who else you know who else got attacked by planes in a, in a city joey uh, huh? certainly
0: uh, w- was it king kong <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: at, at that point at that point it's them going do you like it do you like this movie like, we can't we we can't
0: explain it, but we we just know that this this child who will only be a few months old by the time this movie releases will enjoy this many years later because it references a giant monkey movie, which yes. is funny too because because that year uh, ninety three was the sixtieth was the year I was born and the sixtieth anniversary of King Kong.
1: It's the perfect it's it's all of it's a perfect marriage of everything.
0: The stars align, <laughs> but no. But uh, you know I think the Joker as far as like a story purpose makes sense like the earlier scenes where he's talking to that one the the white urkel
1: guy are <laughs> uh um our Arthur Reed. Yes. Arthur Reed. Thank you. I'm the, sorry. The, like, the 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 quote unquote um uh dollar tree dollar store uh Harvey Dent. Har- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I think in
0: those scenes he, he's particularly effective um, especially the way he's shot and, and lit, like I think about certain close-ups on his face are really good, and they're they're shots of like because I haven't seen this movie in a couple years, but I rem- those images are are ingrained in my brain of the Joker. You know, there's some of the yeah. images I think of when I think of that character, but yeah, like other than like other than that, like towards the end is probably where it gets the most distracting. But aside from that, you know, he's pretty justified. His presence is justified in the film.
1: Yeah, he. Um He's basically, okay, so I'm going to spoil the whole thing, just so you, so if you haven't seen the movie, please watch it. So the whole backstory with this, this thing is, um, Bruce Wayne, um, in sort of the early years of him attempting to be a vigilante, attempting that part of his life that he wants to, to go through with, uh, meets a woman named Andrea Beaumont, who, um, in a lot of ways is his equal in that she she can match wits with him um, she's you know as charismatic as he is um, and she also has her own things that she deals with i mean obviously he deals with the death of his parents but she's also dealing with you know her like her father's dealings but also the loss of her mother but she deals with it in a bit of a different way and the two connect in a big way and so the crazy part for, for Bruce is that, you know, he has this this idea of what he needs to, or what he feels like he needs to do with his life, but now there's this wrench thrown into the works, and he doesn't know how to take it. He doesn't know, I mean, should I, what do I do? Like, you know, I can't, I can't do this if, if she's in my life. And so obviously he goes, I'd rather be happy, which is like, that's always like the one thing that you know they don't really ever tackle in a lot of Batman movies. It's usually kind of the the James Bond or the Indiana Jones sort of thing where it's like, okay, you know I'll have a fling with this woman, but eventually I'll be like, no, I'm Batman. yeah or, or it's or it's like um, I don't know it's just it's something that happens all the time because you know he has he's had several love interests, but it's, it's nice that there was one love interest he's had that actually got to him and he chose happiness. But of course, something unfortunate happened, and that happiness was taken away. I think my fa-
0: I think one of my favorite moments um, in the whole movie is where, where he's visiting his parents you know parents' grave, and he's just like I just I just want to be happy, you know. It doesn't hurt as much anymore, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and again, it's 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 scenes like that that illustrate that yeah, this guy is is traumatized i mean this is like like even even well into this point in his life like he still feels the effects of of losing his parents and and yet he finally has something that could really bring him back um to to a point of of genuine happiness and he's so conflicted about it and he and he and he feels terrible yeah and he doesn't want to let his parents down cuz he thinks that's what he should be doing for them and and he says i didn't count on being happy is that it's that line too that gets me though every time
0: yeah like i i also, like this just i think it's one of those movies where it actually uses the parents death very well mm-hmm. outside of just like the initial cuz most batman stories it's just the initial motivation and there's some like you know some other aspects too but i feel like this is able to u- utilize that tragedy and that trauma um, pretty well, and this is this is a seventy six minute uh, film made by Warner Brothers like family uh,
1: animation. <laughs> you get you family get picture, you get that nice logo at the beginning from the nineties where it says "Family Entertainment" on top of the Warner Brothers shield, and then Bugs Bunny comes out Dude, jumping on the. That, that would
0: be that'd be almost like just the, having the Disney logo pop up in front of a Deadpool movie. <laughs> <We're> just- <laughs> <laughs>
1: what the see now i kind of want that to happen for deadpool 3 i just want him to like just be like at the castle just like oh hey guys (laughs) it's me bob Bob iger bought me (laughs) bob iger bought me guys he's a very nice man (laughs) But uh, yeah, like
0: this like this movie, it, it 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 in just the short runtime it has, it, it 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 handles the characters that it has, you know, you know, so very well. And I, I also can I also just say speaking of just the trauma related to this, just Alfred, okay? This is a running mm-hmm. theme in this program. <laughs> Alfred's feelings do matter, okay? Yes.
1: Yes, they do. He he wants the, he wants Bruce to find a nice lady. That's that's why I I, I juxtapose the scenes in this when Alfred walks in on him, excuse me, on Bruce and Andrea kissing, and he just goes ooh, and he walks away. I juxtapose that with the <laughs> scenes in the Dark Knight trilogy whenever Alfred shows up to to Bruce's bedroom and he's gone, <laughs> and he's just like. Huh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like
0: i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the scene I th- in, the, in the dark night where they have the boat with the with the ballerinas
1: <laughs> the, the, the ballet company <laughs> it's like why don't you tell them to buy their own bloody suntan lotion <laughs> so i i think i think when alfred catches bruce in that act even though it's obviously embarrassing he's like oh he's still like you just i just feel like in the back of his head he's just going Yes!
0: <laughs> yes! It's like, dear dear diary,
1: Bruce is making progress. Dear diary, he is this close. I have, we have the ring. I think he's going to propose. Hell yes! <laughs> uh, but, um, he does, like, on that note, he does propose, like I said, he, he chooses happiness, and he does propose Andre it's 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 crazy i've never i i mean outside of like in the comics like a recent batman story where bruce wayne was going to marry catwoman um like it's sort of it's sort of weird to think that you know they, they someone someone said you know what let's actually have him like full on propose and it's a really charming moment until it's not when the bats come out <laughs> and it's like an omen <laughs> like <laughs> And then, of course, um, after she does say yes, she initially um, changes her mind. And, of course, that leads to Bruce becoming Batman um, in another very iconic scene when he puts on the suit for the first time. And that that image is like the silhouette with the bluish hue of the cave is pretty iconic. But then, of course, uh, what we do learn, what happened to Andrea is that um, her and her father were being uh, basically harassed by the, those specific mobsters that were dying, and she was basically being told, "You know, we gotta, we gotta get away. We gotta run away because they're gonna find us and kill us." And so they run away, and then unfortunately, one of those uh, mobsters, this like hitman guy, who turns out to be the Joker later. Um, uh- <laughs> Uh, finds where they were and kills her father. so she decides to seek revenge as what the phantasm <gasps> which on the note because uh, I made the Star Wars uh, reference earlier, I know this movie's definitely gotten more popular over the years, especially with like my generation. It kind of sucks that I that um, th- through the internet and through that like I feel like the, the, this, this movie is sort of spoiled. Because I think it would have been really cool, because I think they effectively build it up that you could guess maybe it's her, but you're not entirely sure. And then the reveal, because I think it's a cool reveal. And so it does kind of suck that, you know, because it's so prolific on online and, you know, it's gained enough. I'm happy that it's gained a lot more attention, but it would have been nice if, you know, people just didn't know. Similar to like the whole Darth Vader is Luke's father, but yet people know without seeing the movie. You know what I mean? Because that's also like one of those kind of iconic things.
0: You know, it, it's kind of hard to keep the genie in the bottle with with any of these things, and it just just kind of stinks. You know, it's just, but, yeah,
1: it just it just sucks. It's admittedly. like
0: like Psycho, Planet of the Apes, like all these movies. Yeah, you know,
1: Psych, Psycho and those. Yeah, the, it's just sad. Like, because like I, think about how much nicer it would be, especially if you're like watching Planet of the Apes for the first time and you didn't know how the no, ending cause, was.
0: Because I remember listening to the commentary track on Psycho. The um, I forget the gentleman's name, but. He was talking about how he saw it in its original theatrical release, and people were shrieking in the theater, and like a random woman grabbed him up by the shoulder because she was just like trying to like ah like trying to like figure out like what the <laughs> oh, hell was going god. on.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> you know, so it's one of those things. It's one of those things where like as people talk about like movie theater experiences all the time, was like oh where were you when you saw Avengers Endgame or oh where were you when you saw like The Force Awakens? I was like. Where were you when you see, like, something that's, like, like really, like, legitimately, like, shocking or disturbing? Right? Like, You're like, just I, like, what the hell just happened? You know, uh, but uh, the, the voice cast in this, um, it needs to be said, is, of course, tremendous. Um, instead of uh, sidelining this character, as we have in many episodes, um, of course, <laughs> Kevin Conroy is great as Batman.
1: I mean, he still voices the character to this day. And it's it's insane. I mean, obviously, other people have come on board to voice the character in other iterations. I think of Bruce Greenwood, who voiced him in uh, a few a few iterations of the character, and I think he's very very good. Um, but Kevin Conroy is is legend. He's effectively he's played he's played Batman probably more than anyone else within yeah. his like time period because like he was in the video games that came out recently. He was probably in some other. Vi- Did you know Ron Perlman voiced Batman in a video game?
0: I never knew Ron Perlman voice Batman. I never knew that. Wow.
1: Yeah, he voiced Batman in this like Justice League video game that came out like in like the 2000s or something. I forget what it's called, but it was like it was okay, but it was I didn't know it was Ron Perlman, but then years later I was like, "Oh my god, that's Ron Perlman." I mean, Ron Perlman's got a great voice. Yeah, he's got a beautiful voice. So I would totally be okay with him being Batman. Um But no, like, when you, for a lot of fans, when you think of the voice of Batman, or you think of Batman, that image from the animated series typically will show up for, like, a certain group of people, or Kevin Conroy's voice. And you don't, like, and it's, and he's so, he's so the voice of Batman to the point where, like, I was telling you this when we were watching the movie, like, there there was, like, some nature documentary playing on, like, Discovery or National Geographic, and he was narrating it. But, mm. and he was, and I'm sure he wasn't trying to sound like Batman. It just happened to sound like Batman. Right. So, so you're just like, is Batman teaching me about the ocean right now? <laughs> <laughs> this is great.
0: Now, it actually makes me think of when I was watching like the Batman Gotham Knight, when they did the they were first starting to do the, the DC animated the animes, movies. The, the anime, yeah.
1: like anthology thing. Yeah.
0: The anthology thing. Like Kevin Conroy, I think was on the commentary track for that. And he t- kind of talks about how, like how, how you have to play the age of certain characters and I think about that a lot with this movie because there's a lot of like flashbacks to Batman in his youth, you know, or Bruce Wayne in in his youth, you know, being a younger, a younger, less experienced um, crime fighter, or just you know somebody who's in love, you know. And and, and it takes a lot um, to do those voice acting things because you, it's not just like doing a voice and sounding cool; it's also trying to convey a
1: character. You're 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 conveying a character and emotion using only one instrument. Truly. And, or at least one instrument that'll be recorded and so it's just you know that's why like whenever any if, if anyone ever said like uh voice actors aren't real actors or you don't count them then it's I like are you sure I think
0: I think it's all just they're all just different kinds of mediums you know it's just they require different skill set like an op, the the skill set of an opera singer is going to be very different from the skill set of a you know of a regular of a, like a screen actor and the screen actor skill sets going to be very different from somebody who has to do eight performances a week in a musical. Exactly. In a, music, in a musical, like a Broadway show or, you know, a stage play. Um, but, of course, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill as the Joker is, of course... Another Star Wars thing. <laughs> another Star Wars thing. Um,
1: but, um, Zim- I want to say Ephraim Zimbala's Jr. as Alfred. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And and he's, he's an iconic Alfred. I mean, he was Alfred... Through the entire like animated series, I believe
0: That makes sense And also, another connection, sort of semi-to-Batman Sort of Batman connection Because obviously people talk about Batman and Zorro mm. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. played Zorro's dad In season one of the um, I forget what the, the the Zorro, 90's Zorro television show Oh, that's pretty cool, actually I like that Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he was very good And I actually, it's it's a fun show It's, it's very cheap and it, uh, hmm. I think I've said this to you before. I th- might have. I, don't, I might have even said it on the podcast. But it features like Dracula, uh, Dracula from Monster Squad, as Zorro, yeah. mm-hmm. it, who says, "Bring me, give me the amulet." You, you know, I'm not gonna finish that. <laughs>
1: it's very nice of you to. Yeah, this is this is. We're talking about family entertainment, so yeah, you know, Bugs bunnies be.
0: in front of this uh, freaking movie, so you know,
1: <laughs> we can't we can't be dropping bad words. Um, no but uh, uh dana, dana delaney that.
0: um
1: dana delaney as um you know andrea beaumont as, as andrea beaumont she's she's i mean she's great in the role but she's also um for the uh for other uh dc related shows she's also the voice of lois lane on the superman animated series which would become a, an iconic role as well i
0: love her lois lane
1: <laughs> she's so good She's it's, so good. It, and it's, She's... It, it's one of those
0: things where people talk about like specific like her, like heroes and like things like I'm like as far as like side characters like think that's like the to me the best Lois Lane in my opinion. But
1: I can I can I can agree with that honestly. And I mean she like similar to Lois Lane with uh, with Andrea Beaumont, she brings a real charm and wit to the character. And um, like I was saying like she she matches Bruce at every turn. I, I especially love the scene. When like he when he's interrogating her about her dad, and at this point he's thinking her dad might be the phantasm, and um, he's basically like you know saying you know you still following your dad's orders. In this moment, by the way, he's he's not just Batman, but she she knows who he is. On this note, by the way, and so like he's kind of a, like in that weird mixed state of Bruce Wayne personal life. While still being Batman, and so he's like, "You still following your dad's orders?" And she's like, "The way I see it, the only person in this room controlled by his parents is you." <laughs> and they're like, and "Damn!" At that,
0: and at that moment, uh, my my brother, who was watching the movie with us, called uh, Batman Baby Man,
1: <laughs> and he just walks out. But then, of course, she cries, and it's really sad. But yeah, that was that was a good one. I liked that one. Abe Vigoda is in this. Abe Vigoda is one of my favorite characters, I think. He's uh, Salvatore Valestra. <laughs> and, like, he plays this, like, crotchety old crime boss who, like, like the first time we meet him... Like, he he's really... I will say he's not just, like, a caricature of, like, a crotchety old crime boss. Because we see him in flashbacks and he's very, like, sinister. Mm-hmm. Yes. As, like, the younger Salvatore Valestra. But when we see him initially, he's also, like, you know, like just really like he's got his oxygen tank when he can't breathe. And, um, he also, I think that character also has the most striking image outside of the Joker in the whole film when, uh, and it's one oh. of the few times you like the smile. No, Ava Goat is great in this. Um, and then, uh, I know, I know we, we got to mention, uh, Bob Hastings, Bob Hastings, Commissioner Gordon with Commissioner Gordon's fabulous hair and fabulous hair and very brief amount of screen time in this movie. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's probably the one thing. I, my one complaint I would have is that I wish that we had more Commissioner Gordon in our lives in this movie. But it is what it is.
0: Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough because again, when you have a short runtime, you're able to like really hone in on certain things, but like other things, just kind of like, you know, it's it's tricky, it's tricky to to really manage everything.
1: You gotta you gotta play your cards right, and you know, admittedly, with you know with the addition of him, like. I'm glad he was there, but obviously it was just like you know i i I'm not gonna participate in your in your war against Batman. He's my friend, so <laughs> that's I'm paraphrasing
0: I'm paraphrasing, but you know what <laughs> I really wish Bob Hastings was in the recording studio and
1: just did that <laughs> you want him you get him. I have no part of this. <laughs>
0: Or it's like the the, the master of disguise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god! <laughs> but um, anyway, I
0: don't know what to. I don't know what to. Don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. That was Kevin Conroy uh, reading uh, a cut piece of dialogue when Batman was trying to figure out what he was going to do.
1: <laughs> that was very good. Wow. wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Was Kevin
0: Condray in the room just now? Batman Mask of Phant- the Phantasm. Sometimes there are certain instances where a short run time should be a cause a cause for concern, but sometimes a short run time uh honestly just leaves you to focus on on the essentials for a story.
1: It also just goes to show that even if you have a short run time, you can still like do a great amount of like deep diving into a character's psyche with just little things and you know, you can actually explore things that, you know, are genuinely meaningful. And this movie, like I said, it, it does everything that all the other live action Batman movies, especially at that time, even to this day, don't really ever do. I mean, outside of maybe the Nolan films, which were more Batman centric, thankfully, but, um, this was, this was just one of those movies that not only, um, did it, did it do right by Batman, but it also did right by like the whole like world of Batman and, it's just i i love it dearly and i have great respect for it and you know i'm sad that it had what happened to it happened but i'm glad that you know like i said it was able to become more prolific later on in the years and on that note i am grateful that you allowed me (laughs) to talk about all these 90s batman movies on our show because i know i know you're not the biggest batman fan but i appreciate it
0: the funny thing about that though is i like as i do this podcast Like, I have a bunch of posters on my closet. I'm staring at a Batman 66 poster (laughs) on my closet (laughs) as we're doing this. As you're saying, yeah, Joey, I know you're not a big Batman fan.
1: Well, I know you like the silly Batman stuff. I I know that
0: that, I uh, I have very specific Batman taste. It's like macaroni salad, okay? Some places, macaroni salad, I'm like, no. Some places, I'm like, yeah, that's Batman. Batman is macaroni salad.
1: I think it's fine. I can I can accept that. <laughs> Holy mayo, Batman! Robin, go get the bat mayo. We need it.
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, we're we're gonna take a. I think we're gonna take a quick break and get the bat mayo. But um, <laughs> when we come back, uh, we got a bunch of really cool statues. But uh, at nighttime, their eyes glow and uh, they move around. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment uh joey let me talk about um one more 90s batman movie thank you sir no problem and in our next segment we are moving a little bit for just a smidge further in the 90s like literally a year technically two if you want to count this specifics movies uh home release but um we're moving a little bit further in the 90s with another pretty dramatic um serious animated feature but this time from disney and we are of course talking about gargoyles i've been denied everything
0: even the episode that i proposed no that didn't actually happen
1: (laughs) it's like we had a tough talk before this recording joey wanted to talk about the entire 50 shades uh franchise and i said joey i will leave the show
0: and then Richard wanted to do an in-depth four part retrospective on grown-ups one and two.
1: <laughs> and then uh, Joey left the show. now we're uh, now, now we, we're we back. Are, it, it's like
0: uh Futurama where like when Bender was a human and then it's just like, oh no, Bender's not alive. It's just just him going Woo 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 our self-importance has has outlasted us beyond the grave, King Kong. Batman! Ah! But uh, moving gargoyles. beyond, moving yeah, gargoyles. So this one is was slightly cheating, but it does have a letterbox
1: speech. It, you know what? if it's got a letterbox, it counts. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um. Gargoyles was a uh, Disney show from the '90s. Had lasted three seasons. Very, very unique in the Disney canon,
1: especially at that time. I think because like a lot of the, especially on TV, because a lot of those shows like you know Ducktales, Rescuers down or not Rescuers Down, um, Chip and Dale, Chip and Dale. Yeah, thank you. Um, Then Tailspin. You know they were very fun, family friendly. Even Darkwing Duck which sounds like it would be kind of in that same ballpark, is very much not. Right. Like, it's pretty silly, but Gargoyles was really their first attempt to sort of compete with the ever-growing popularity of something like Batman the Animated Series, which was very popular at that time.
0: I almost liken it to Disney with Pirates of the Caribbean sort of moving, trying to compete with something like Lord of the Rings as far as, like, a a, like a grand filmmaking sense. And this, this is um, a very unique... Um, piece of television because gargoyles takes a lot of influences from different like world cultures and 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 different like pieces of literature like in the like, you have a lot of like shakespeare influences you have um like it, the later in the later seasons like they go to loch ness there's like you know the, the, there's egypt there's a lot of things that go into the mel- melting pot that is gargoyles but gargoyles themselves is not a like a, a a a well-known was not a well-known IP it was a new thing that they made is what I'm trying to say here It was a new IP that they made in the 90 s basic gist of the story goes a little something like this gargoyles okay you know those like those stone statues that you might see in a no. city no
1: what are what are what are gargoyles
0: they're, they're these stone statues they make a little look, look like like demons and and things of uh things of that nature.
1: why would they do that that's scary
0: I mean, it'd be, it's almost like a scarecrow,
1: I guess. But anyway, why would they do that? That's scary. Like from the Wizard of Oz. Mm, no, <laughs> I, I'm trying his patience now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so gargoyles, okay? They're like you know, in this universe, they're like these these humanoid, large, maybe a little larger than humans, maybe a little smaller, depending what gargoyle. Basically, they're 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 humanoid types of characters, you know, that have like scaly features, wings things like that very powerful they're very protective you know like what a, like a, what a gargoyle is sort of supposed to do right mm. um yeah but the one thing is like you know during the day when we see when we see, when we see a gargoyles they're stone
1: yeah they're just like the like the typical like they're in a they're in a pose like something kind of fierce but also something kind of contemplative maybe
0: yeah so and in, in this universe that's explained as that's when the gargoyles rest that's when they sleep and recover their energy because i think in one of the later seasons uh tim curry puts out some exposition that gargoyles need would need like 3 cows a day or something like that to just to sustain the amount of energy that they that they require and that turning into stone helps them do that okay but yeah. and then at night they come alive and they become they're they're, they're fearsome like protective warriors okay there's a situation that happens uh, with these gargoyles where they are turned to stone permanently or so it seems because with a lot of these spells there's a loophole right like in snow white or like sleeping beauty mm-hmm. they got to be resurrected by like love's true kiss or whatever or you know there's some stuff in shrek there's a yeah lot there's of there's
1: there's like always that like you know i guess you could say antidote situation with yeah. a lot of spells
0: there's the antidote the the reverse the cure whatever in this case, uh, it's something that they could not have conceived back in uh, 994 AD, Scotland. You know, is is once the castle rises above the clouds, then the spell is broken.
1: And um, literally, was it like a thousand years later? A thousand years later,
0: uh, we 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 arrive in 1994, uh, New York City, where Bill- yeah, where billionaire Xanatos, uh, David Xanatos takes a whole freaking castle from Scotland and transports it and its
1: statues to the top of a really tall building in New York. And the building just so happens to to scrape, uh, scrape the sky. I guess they call those skyscrapers. Um, <laughs> and um, now the, uh, that the castle is resting on top of this building, they are effectively above the clouds. And so now they can come back... They can come back and they can actually be alive once again. Yeah. And
0: listen, this show, like the, fir- the first five episodes, they're able to can keep like, you know, okay, there's like science fiction, like they got like gargoyle robots and other things, but like the later seasons goes into like weird fantasy things, like, like got Oberon, you have Odin is in this show, uh, like, like actually that's one of the major magical artifacts, one of the most powerful like artifacts on the show is the eye of Odin. Is a very powerful... That's pretty cool. um, There's, like, the Eye of Odin, the Grimorum Achnorum, which is the, the spell book that we see in the first five episodes that put the curse on the gargoyles. That's a very important magical item. And then the Phoenix Gate, which allows you to time travel. Okay, those are, like, the three most powerful things. But that's neither here nor there. Gargoyles is a... Like, if you... I don't think they would be able to pitch this show today to Disney.
1: It would be really cool, though, if they did. Like, did some sort of, like... Revival thing and with it, I do remember Jordan Peele saying he pitched Disney a gargoyles movie and they said no, And that breaks my soul. So that would have been really cool, actually. And <laughs> you could have had Keith David come back as Goliath. That would have
0: been cool, but all we have, what well, we have though, we do have the show, particularly these first five episodes, The Awakening. Okay, that that basically constitutes the the whole pilot essentially, and it was released. On VHS in 1995, I believe, as uh, gargoyles, uh, the heroes awaken. The heroes
1: awaken. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like the Force Awakens, but you know, not the Force, it's heroes, and there's no Star Wars. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although we have a lot it's, of it's uh, like we a... have a lot of Star Trek people, though that's one of the big things. There are one.
1: yes, I, I do remember seeing that that there were a lot of Star Trek people in this. Um, I will say like. With this show, I definitely have like nostalgia for it because I do remember when I was younger, like being really into gargoyles and having all the toys. I I, I distinctively remember um having the one of the, like the the robot um, gargoyles like like because I guess the head was, was came off separately. And then, like, like the head was attached to one of the wings, and I remember it being really pointy and and kind of sharp, and I think I've gotten, like, a few paper cuts off of it somehow, or, like, like plastic cuts, I guess you would call it, because it's not paper. But I do remember, like, having the toys. I remember playing gargoyles with my friends all the time. Um, but I don't remember this show all that much, if I'm being honest. So, like, this was kind of a nice revisiting a little bit, like, kind of going back and and seeing the show and watching these nine episodes which i did not expect it to be 90 minutes which compared to like when we watched batman and just how quick it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this one it's like wow this is 90 minutes which i I had no problem with at all but it's just it's just kind of wild really
0: well i mean the other thing is too like master of the phantasm is a complete like feature length Movie, whereas this, yeah, that's true. We didn't watch the Heroes Awaken like VHS, which I assume is able to condense things a little more because they could put the credits at the very end and yeah. Rearrange we it. did,
1: we did like watch the episode separately. <laughs> we
0: watched them all on Disney Plus. You know, you know, just full disclo- disclosure, we didn't just watch the Heroes Awaken tape because the Heroes is only available on VHS and Laserdisc. Richard does not have a Laserdisc player or a VHS player, so that just wouldn't have worked. So we watched. Gargoyle. And I don't
1: even, ha- I don't even have it. You know, I don't even have the actual VHS or the laser disc. If if I did have those things, exactly. So I'm SOL in so many ways in that regard. It,
0: whatever, it, it, it's what it is. But point point being, um, gargoyles, the, these first five episodes, you know, it, it's it's interesting like it's interesting to to look at this show again through the prism of like what Disney was doing at that time and what we know disney now and you can't help but like look at it and say this is a very unique story like y- your your main char- your main characters okay they're not fuzzy cute animals or princes and princesses they are effectively monsters like mon- monsters in the they are not, beasts they're they're be- they're beasts you know obviously that they're they're they've human like qualities, but like in the in the in the physical sense, you know, Goli and even Goliath. Like they mentioned this in the episode, Goliath is named after you know the famous the famous giant that David had to fight. And already, like right there, like it's another like nice symbolic thing because you have this guy who's evoking a certain sense of fear. He's kind of like Batman in a way, or it's like Batman, like bats invoke like a sense of fear, and then you have oh Goliath, like oh that giant. You know, so it's like, you're, you you mm. want you want the people protecting you to be, like, just as scary, if not scarier than the things that are trying to go after you kind of thing.
1: Also, it's just, uh, like, I'm just thinking about, like, again, all the different shows that, you know, Disney was doing at that time. And just, the only thing I can think of that came close to somewhat of a similar tone, oddly enough, was, like, the and I mentioned it a bunch of times when we were watching the show, but, like, the Mighty Ducks animated series... <laughs> Which listen, just just as a brief detour, if you've never watched the Mighty Ducks animated series, it's it's nothing like the Amelia his movies because they're not a bunch of kids playing hockey. They're a bunch of like mutant ducks from another like alien duck like humanoids that find their way to Anaheim, California (laughs) (laughs) and turn into superheroes during the during the nighttime and then during the day they play hockey. (laughs) <laughs> so, just throwing that out there. But like that show had sort of a serious tone, but I do remember hearing that they were going to try like when they initially were making these stories it, they they were going to try to make it a more comedic thing. Did you ever hear about this?
0: I might have at some point, but I want to I want to hear more about this.
1: I don't remember the like the idea specifically, but they wanted to try it as a more like comedic tone, but then there was a point they started shifting and they wanted just to have, like, Goliath, the like because the, it was going to be called The Gargoyle, and it was just going to be Goliath, and they were going to try to have it sort of be somewhat similar, maybe in theme or narrative, to Beauty and the Beast a little bit. Mm. Which, there's definitely points where I kind of feel like that a little bit still, <laughs> with, uh, like, with Goliath and that one detective
0: character. Alisa <laughs> Mazza, though, which is funny you say that, because in one of the later episodes, there's a Halloween episode, and she dresses up as Belle. <laughs>
1: That is amazing. <laughs> I'm am not even.
0: I'm not even kidding you. Like,
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's so beautiful. That, that's that. That's them going. Okay, we're gonna like reference the roots of this a little bit, but um. So obviously they dropped the, um, kind of like Facebook, I guess, and they made all the other like gargoyle characters like Hudson and Brooklyn and all those guys, and um, then the show obviously became what it was. And so I, I, I think that's kind of interesting to sort of see that evolution of the show and like initial concept. Cause it, it, I, I imagine if they had their way originally, it would have just been like a lot of the other shows and it wouldn't have been as special maybe.
0: Yeah. It it would have, um, I don't think it would have had the same, quite the same impact
1: for as short lived as it was had, had a big like following, especially for people our age. I mean, I'll put it to
0: like, this like, uh, like season one had like 13 episodes, which is pretty standard. You know, and then when they when they ordered season 2, they were like, yeah, make 52 of these things. It's like, "Excuse me?" Uh, oh,
1: what? Yeah, I'm just sorry. go for it. Just go. Just go for it. Just give it a try, see what you think. Um, uh... but but going
0: into the into the actual into the actual episode, it's the origins, uh, the origins of the of these characters, and I like that you do get to spend time, you know, in Scotland. Like it's not just like a brief like, you know, like 2-minute, "Oh my gosh, we're in Scotland." And then now now they're in New York, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they don't they don't rush it, which is nice.
0: They they actually like take their time. Like there's like a framing device where it's like obviously the Scotland stuff's like a flashback, but like Elisa Mazza's in New York, like trying to figure out what the hell is going on up there at Xanatos's you know tower. Mm-hmm. And but it's sort of it's like a sort of like a a semi sort of mystery that you, you know you're gonna find out what it is and you know what show kind of show you're watching at that point. Yeah,
1: I like how um, like you were, like I, I like you were saying. With the uh, the show really being set in Scotland, like it's like it's the first whole episode, and like well into like the second episode, I believe, was there that they were in Scotland, and you know we get to we get to know a lot about who these characters are and the type of personalities they are, and like Goliath, Goliath is very much like again sort of a Batman type in that he's kind of evoking fear, but he's also more of like a regal type, like he's more stoic and he's more. He's got, he's more of like a presence, but, you know, clearly he's not a bad person or right. a bad gargoyle, pardon me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, he's just trying to do right by his kind, but also do right by, you know, everybody else in the castle. And I love, I think my favorite thing about those opening bits is just how they build the whole dynamic between the humans and the gargoyles. Right. Because, you know, that, I imagine that becomes like a, a big bit, a, a big topic of discussion um, in a lot of the later episodes after the first five of the gargoyle sort of juggling their existence with humanity. And, you know, obviously at first glance, you know, if you're a human and you see a gargoyle, you're going to be scared. Yeah. You're going to be terrified. And um, so it's a, it's a nice, it was a nice way to sort of like introduce that, that um, element to everything. And, uh, so, and then, but we also get introduced to all the other gargoyles and, uh, um, one of them is Patrick (laughs) Starr. Like, like imagine if Patrick Starr had a little bit more intelligence and no SpongeBob to influence him. And, and there you go. There's a gargoyle. (laughs) And I have no problem. And with that. And, and, and Patrick's dad was uh, played by Ed Asner, which makes it even better. <laughs> which made, and and to think about that too, freaking Ed Asner's on this. I mean, I like obviously everybody else in the show is great, and like you know, obviously they got a lot of the Star Trek actors, but freaking Ed Asner's in this. Like that's pretty cool. H-
0: Hudson's a great um, Hudson's a great character. He has some funny moments. I love it when he, when he's on the rooftops with uh, Goliath and Elisa. <laughs> And, and it's like, does the sky need a name? Does the river? And she's just like, the river is called the Hudson. He's like, well, okay,
1: I'll be that. And
0: then all the gargoyles are just like places in New York.
1: I just want you to know, to, to I just want to make this announcement on that note, that uh, my official gargoyle name will be Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I've chosen this for myself. I am, uh, <laughs> I, I will be known as Penn Station. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can call it, you can, you can call us, uh, Mad and Penn. We're like, we're like Penn and Teller, but we don't do magic. We just are. No, but so you have, you
0: have Hudson, you know, who's, who's like the old, you know, so the older, he used to be like, sort of like the leader of the Gargoyles as, you know, as revealed like in an older episode. Uh, in a, or in a later episode, I should say. And then Goliath sort of like, you know, he sort of became, became like the, like the successor to him, but Goliath has him in those early episodes of the series is like his second in command. Cause like his, like his advisor, like his good advisor. Then we got, uh, Brooklyn who would eventually become Goliath's second in command. And, you know, he's got the red. he's got one of my favorite designs too, but like that red, like the beak, you know, and mm-hmm. he, he looks, he looks great. Lexington. Lexington, um, who's, you know, the short, short little green one uh, who's very, he's very smart and he's very tech savvy. And this will be espe- especially relevant in later episodes. And then Broadway, we mentioned Pat- Patrick Starr. He, he, of course, loves, he loves food. He's the big guy. Which,
1: that, listen, I think Broadway is me as a gargoyle. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's me. Less fat jokes, though, because, you know, people don't, don't do that. I, I do fat jokes on myself but that's a whole other thing. And then they're do- and they have a gargoyle
0: dog name- named named <laughs> <laughs> We're introduced to like two of our like primary like antagonists and one of the sort of like an anti-hero/antagonist.
1: slash Uh one of them is is another gargoyle, Demona. I'm going to shout out uh my friend Joe, not a different Joe, not you Joe, mm-hmm. who I remember how like how often he would talk about how much he loves gargoyles and he would talk about Demona specifically and how much he loved that character so and I would I would probably be uh remiss if I didn't mention that so I want to give a shout out to you Joe if you're listening to this
0: also if you do like Demona after watching these first five episodes I definitely recommend watching the city of Stone 4 part Arc in season two it, it it delves into more of Demona's backstory like in between like ni- and 994 Scotland and then the 1990s. New York, mm-hmm. basically. It's a very, it's a really good, uh, really good arc. And then, of course, we have David Xanatos, who's sort of like the Lex Luthor uh, sort of type of character.
1: He's like if Lex Luthor had like a really great like hairstyle and uh, <laughs> and goatee kind of combination thing. Basically, uh,
0: he's played by uh, by Jonathan Frakes, and I think he, I, I love Xanatos as a character. I think he's he's just he's just great, and I think he's a perfect. He's a great foil
1: uh, to Goliath. <laughs> I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Um, again, I, 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 I liked um, what his character. I like his name. Again, I, I, like a lot of names, obviously, but I liked, um, I like the name Xanatos. Like on one hand, it sounds like something you would hear in like a cool, like science fiction fantasy show like this, but also it kind of sounds like like a like an allergy medication. Also, it does <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, but also
0: like. You know who had to who had to face Goliath like in in the in the Bible? Um, David, David. So there there you go. <laughs> I knew that. So it kind of it, it, it kind of fits. Um, obviously, he's like he wants to use the gargoyles for you know some of his nefarious uh, purposes. He, he has
1: he has plan. He's he's like, listen, I'm going to save these gargoyles, and they're going to be grateful for it, and they're going to do what I say. But. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> and he learns that. But I, I think I think what the and
0: also I, I have to mention, um, Elisa Maza, uh, who is our our sort of like the main human character for the, for the show.
1: She's got um, Carmen San Diego vibes, like aesthetically. Yeah, she does. Like if Carmen San Diego like ditched the hat and then like wasn't, like, trying to, like, escape anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just a weird observation. Anyway, sorry. Uh,
0: no, it's okay. But uh, I she's a really good character on the show. And I think that the, these first five episodes, you really do... You really get to establish your main set of characters. And, like, sort of, like, the, the main... The main things like okay, Elisa's obviously going to be like you know sort of like go between the the human world and the world the realm of the the gargoyles. She's sort she's sort of like the way for the gargoyles to see that humans are not all bad that they there are good people out there. You know,
1: she's that she's that bridge. She she's the
0: bridge. You know,
1: she's the she's she's the more effective bridge that uh, Xanatos was not.
0: Yeah, Xan- Xanatos is um you know <laughs> is not <laughs> nice. <and
1: not, laughs> <laughs> He's Xanatos. He's here to cure you of your allergies. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would
0: put out like a like um, like like a, like a, like a branded allergy medication.
1: <laughs> you know what? If it if it works, I'll take it because the season sucked lately. But um, but no, like like I was talking about earlier, I really thought that Alisa, um, uh, right? I'm just, I just want to make sure Elisa, I Alisa Alisa Maza Alisa Alisa Maza, and I really thought her and Goliath because like their chemistry, like. You can tell me if I'm wrong or not, because um, I haven't. I don't remember the later episodes all that much, but their chemistry was so, like, romantic that I was like, there were so many times I was like, could you guys
0: kiss? Just do it. There's definitely, like, well, because it's hard, because it's not like Beauty and the Beast, where the Beast was formerly a guy, so you can kind of, like, justify that, whereas in, in, Gar- in Gargoyles, it's a little harder for them to, to write something like that.
1: I mean, you can edit this part out if you want, but is it bestiality? If she kisses him, well,
0: you, you should ask the, the the season two finale because that's what she does. She kisses him. Oh <laughs> no,
1: she kisses him.
0: <laughs> I think it's just, I think it's just like a quick like boop, and then he's like, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "I
1: feel tingly inside. <laughs> <laughs> I feel <laughs> But it's always, it's kind of
0: one of those things where you, you know that if they if they could, that they would, pers- you know. Uh, but it, it's kind of hard to do that. Again, like, even though this was, this was pushing it for a Disney show, that would really be pushing it.
1: I'm just imagining, like, the pitch meetings. Like, they're like, okay, she's going to kiss him. What? Why? Because we're kind of, like, we're kind of working something. You know, like, like we were talking about before, like, the whole Beauty and the Beast thing. It's like, no. No, you can't do that. Can she? At le- can she at least kiss him, like on the cheek or something? But none of that. None of that romantic stuff. No, no, not on this show. You know, because
0: because because like, because uh, there are par- parts where it's like you know she's spending time with 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 somebody else, and Goliath might get a little jealous. But they don't like. They don't like. S- s- you know, she'll
1: go. She'll go on a she'll go on a date with someone else, and then Goliath will be perched up somewhere with binoculars oh wait that's, no that's oh mask of phantasm <laughs> i mean the batman <laughs> uh man those bat those
0: batman uh parallels but oh my gosh but just in general keith david's voice is just oh my god a thing of beauty i can't believe we talked we, we talked this long without like really
1: addressing that too much his voice work as goliath is iconic i mean his voice work in everything is iconic like i think about Obviously, I think about him here, and you know, I also think about his performance um, as Spawn in the HBO animated Spawn show, which I like. Um, I also think about I th- if I remember correctly, I believe he voiced the cat in Coraline. Oh, you you might have to look that up because I don't want I don't want to confirm, but I'm pretty sure it was him. But it's always a treat when he shows up in anything, you know. Yes, like even in. Um, uh, it's like uh, I, I remember when I watched Cloud Atlas for the first time when we were talking about it like, a couple episodes ago and he's in Cloud Atlas. Yes. And it's like, hey, but no, as as Goliath, I mean, he, he brings such like like he he's I would liken him a lot to like um to a less sort of fatherly version of James Earl Jones as Mufasa. That sort of kind of same presence and the same like, you know, booming voice. Like, I I was telling you when we were watching, like, I can only imagine when you're in the, when the, the, the vocal director and like all the people, um, and the recording sessions with him doing Goliath are just like tingling just every time he talks, just going, oh my God. Yeah. He says that he says that line so perfectly, and like even even when he does like I was parodying a little bit like the ah when he screams like you're you, like you feel the impact of it and it's so good.
0: And I think everybody everybody's perfectly cast in their roles. Voice casting is is very important.
1: Even sorry, but like even the um, the one gargoyle that is Patrick Star, like you can hear Patrick Star, but it doesn't it doesn't immediately make you go like oh that's just patrick Starr. you know like you're st- you still hear that you still hear broadway i
0: just know it's broadway oh my god now i'm i i'm almost in tears now cuz i'm thinking about the, the the days of future past episode and there's like a moment with broadway <laughs> and it's it's oh such god. it's such a like oh moment but it's just these these excuse me these first 5 episodes like they just re- like batman mask of phantasm it's like it's really great if you've already known the batman mythology gargoyles is like a this is the this is the beginning of the gargoyles mythology proceed if you want to
1: yes like this is this is a whole it's a whole new ball game in a way and you know it's it's kind of sad in a way to just to see like Again, it's similar to to the Phantasm. It's nice that the show has a following, and even created a whole convention where people could go and you know geek out about gargoyles and stuff. And people like Greg Wiseman, who is, who I guess retroactively for many people is considered the creator of the show to a degree, maybe. I mean, even though I don't think he, he ever has confirmed that. He, yeah, I it's one of
0: those it's one of those things where it feels like it feels like he's the most prominent. Out of those gargoyles, like, like people... It's like
1: he, he keeps the legacy going. I mean, he
0: has the Ask, like, Greg website where it's, like, people ask him gargoyles questions. And they ask him, like, stuff about the lore and, like, what happened after this and, like, stuff that happened beyond that. And he was involved in... Right, you know, he was involved in the process of some of the comic stuff that they did for Gargoyles. So mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost kinda like he is like the grand poobah of
1: gargoyles. And like he's one of those guys too, like who like in sort of nerd culture that, you know, when his name is attached to something, people get excited. So like he, he was a he was attached to the first bunch of episodes of Rebels. And he even did a comic about Kanan for Rebels. He had a Spider-Man show. Um, on Disney XD, I believe. Um, and uh, um, most recently, was it Disney XD? I or don't was it know. Something else.
0: I I thought it was something else because I think because that show isn't on Disney Plus
1: right now. So it might have been. So it might have been something else. Or it might have been something Because
0: I think it was Spectacular Spider Man. We're talking the yeah. like, same I believe, one. I, I know. So, th- yeah. I, unfortunately, that's a show. not I the Drake never... Bell one, but the other. no one. no, 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 this is, this is a different one, okay? like this um it, it's a show i've 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 never really I, I've seen a few episodes, but it's never a show I've done like a deep dive of, but I hear amazing things about that show, which does not surprise me given Greg Weisman's involvement.
1: Mm-hmm. And then recently, um he got to revive Young Justice, which he created with Brandon Vietti in the early two thousand tens. Um, he got to do two seasons. And they recently did a third season for when they were doing that DC universe thing, but now it's on HBO
0: Max. But I want to I, I want to mention also Michael Reeves, um, who is an integral integral figure in both of our in our in our double feature today because he was involved in with Batman and gargoyles.
1: Yeah, he was one of the screenwriters for for Phantasm, along with Paul Dini. And obviously Alan Burnett, who's like the kind of the quote unquote showrunner, if you will, of the Batman animated series, again, quote unquote. And then with Gargoyles, I guess he, he was he, like Michael Reeves prominently worked on like the first like six or so episodes and was mm-hmm. like sort of the head like writer and like editor or whatever. But again, the show never officially had like a, a creator per se. Right. But he wrote, I, he wrote all of these episodes. I believe. Yeah, and I think there's some really there's some really good writing going on
0: here. Even like like because like kids kids shows it's a it's a hard thing to do to create find something that's like okay that what what's appropriate for for a kid to see, but also this is something that I it's like a kid and like a grown up can get something out of while while watching it. Kind of like Batman the animated series, I guess.
1: It's it's a balance to like like again like like we've talked about before. It's you know trying to. Make sure that it's good enough for the kids, but mature enough that, you know, it's still st- it's still telling, pardon me, still telling the story that it wants to tell. Mm-hmm. And it does, a, it does a really good job at it, obviously, honestly. And, um, it's, it's sort of like, you know, addressing these characters seriously without being serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's always been like the big difference with a lot of these like adaptations is that the difference between um, taking the characters in the world seriously as in you care, or just making it serious mm-hmm. to just to just to justify X, Y, and Z. You know, you know. Obviously, with a lot of superhero movies, we see we see people trying to like making things like over serious. To, to give it a adult or a mature quality when in fact it's it's masking problems as opposed to like doing anything else. Um, but in this situation, it's more along the lines of you know being like you can still be for a younger audience without ruining the maturity that you're bringing to it. Right. And so, and you can do that when you're caring about the characters in the world that you're that you're working in or creating in this sense with this show.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean. That's really my biggest note with Gargoyles is that it is such a unique like thing because you know like when you're creating like an action series like this your first thing is like is it GI Joe? Is it Batman? Is it Superman? Is it like something that we already own or pre-established thing? In the case of Gargoyles it was like no, this was a this is a whole this was a new unique thing that they that they created and that it's a very special thing um Gargoyles was was its own unique thing, you know, as especially as far as like Disney's concerned, it was a very unique detour, um, and also too, just like a cool thing too, like your your lead your lead characters in in Gargoyles are not white, is isn't an, is an interesting thing um, to think about
1: the major like there's like isn't there like one white guy technically is it just Xanatos? There's, really, there's a couple as as there's, there's, a,
0: there's, a, there's a couple white people, but like, you got Keith, you got Keith David. Playing, you know playing um playing Goliath you know your main char- character uh Elisa Maza uh, uh by Sally um Sally Richardson you know like it, it's just really cool um as far as like like a diversity standpoint like it's it's actually it's actually really neat and also you get to get get into a little bit of Elisa's background later on in the series um you know with her with her family and and, and all that stuff so it's actually actually pretty neat honestly we have central characters like that where there are they're prominent um prominent in the story and you're also promoting diversity and especially season two of gargoyles where they they go on like what is like the avalon world tour where they have to like they go to this magical place at one point called avalon where it doesn't send you where you need to go it's it, do, it doesn't send you where you want to go it sends you where you need to be so they end up spending like a bajillion episodes going to different places around the world <laughs> they go to Japan. They go to London. They, they go to they go to uh, Scotland. They get they go to Scotland a couple times. But they go they go to all these different like places around the world. And it, it actually it's kind of it shows you that the world is a pretty large, pretty unique place. And like the mythology of it is able to combine these like unique cultures and things and make it such a wonderful, um, wonderfully diverse um, story and mythology. So I think one of the things with this um, is big points in this uh double feature is don't underestimate kids no or what they can handle
1: because i mean kids are i mean it's sort of the difference between like say like a studio created kids movie versus something that you know is made from someone who wants who's trying to tell a story for kids you know what i mean you know like i think of like a lot of the sort of animated movies that just get released randomly, like the Emoji movie, for example, is probably like the most criminal example of a movie that's, like, trying to appeal to a certain demographic, and it's like, like a bunch of, like, you know, middle-aged white dudes sitting in a conference room going, so I see my son texting quite often, and I see him with these little pictures that show up on his phone. I don't know what they are, but they're like smiley faces, I think. I, what if we made a movie about that, and then everyone goes, "That's perfect!" Clap. He's paying her. He's paying us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And that's how that movie comes about, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but with something like Gargoyles or um, Mask of the Phantasm, they, or even just the entire Batman animated series, like they know what audience they're playing for. And they know what they can take. And they know what kind of stories they can understand. And even if they can't necessarily understand those types of stories, it's something that will hopefully stay with them years later where they can watch it again, like us, and go, wow, this was a lot deeper than I expected. It caught my attention and it was fun. Or, like, like, I remember watching the Grey Ghost episode of Batman the Animated Series just going, oh, I love, like, the Grey Ghost has a cool design. I love that, you know, like, Batman was a kid and was, like, loving the show. And then I watch it years later, I'm like, that's freaking Adam West! <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> that's <laughs> the coolest thing! Mm-hmm. And so, it's, it's stuff like that you just get really excited about. And again, it comes from a standpoint of people that care about the stories that they're telling. Um, and... I think I think as well like both of these shows and both and the movies or movie um are something that you and I are very nostalgic for as well and I think I would I would argue that it was it was shows like these that helped sort of build the stuff that we would be interested in later.
0: It definitely it definitely like a big like it sh- it helped shape shape our tastes in things. And as a kid as a kid like you also just feel cool watching some of this stuff. Like I remember like Um, my big nostalgia for like gargoyles was, um, staying at Disney world and waking up at like four in the morning and they would have gargoyles reruns. I remember that like, Oh, that's awesome. In the late 90s. Oh, that's awesome. I
1: I, I kind of remember that, but
0: uh, I was like, I remember the episode where like Dingo, yes, there's a character named Dingo and he gets merged with like the matrix or whatever. Yeah. That's a real thing too. I'm not even, I'm not even like BSing you on that. But, like, that was, like, an episode I remember, like, vividly watching as a kid, like, at four in the morning, laying on this guest bed at, like,
1: a Disney (laughs) hotel. (laughs) So, that's, that's just beautiful. Like, that is, that is beautiful, man. Like, I, like, as far as gargoyles, like, I do have nostalgia for it, like I was saying earlier. Like, I remember mostly just having the toys, and I remember, I, I remember being so, as I, I remember having this one Goliath toy that was so cool because I always loved the toys, like, similar to Batman, where, like, you could take off bits and pieces and then, like, or put them back on, like, Bruce Wayne could turn into Batman, you know? Right, yes. Like, they had, like, costume pieces. There was one for gargoyles where um it had, like, stone pieces that you could put on Goliath so he can turn into, like, the gargoyle, and then you took the pieces off and then he was Goliath. And so I just thought that was really cool. Um, And I I even remember having, like, some of the Mask of the Phantasm toys and uh, having uh, one where, similar to that, like, it was, like, Batman had, like, a stone shield or something. Like, it was weird. Like, the the ideas they came up with with the toys was kind of wild. But I do want to... Speaking of the nostalgia thing, especially given, like, this past year and, like, you know, sort of, like, revisiting certain things or watching old things, and it's so nice to watch something you grew up with that hasn't really aged poorly. <laughs> like we talked we talked about that with the with the Bruce Almighty little Nikki episode a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice it's nice to watch Gargoyles and watch Batman and go this is still great. <laughs> and I don't feel like crap. <laughs>
0: so, you know what and that, that's the ultimate thing is this like you feel it's it's kind of like when I said uh, with, with with like Superman, like one of the re-releases for that movie was like it's even better than 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 when you were a kid, or or whatever. I think it was like one of the taglines for like a re-release mm-hmm. or whatever. And that that's the impression I get from watching you know Mask of the Phantasm and a couple episodes of Gargoyles. So, folks, what are some of your favorite like cartoons you watched as a child? You know, what are some things that have held up well? What are th- some things that you know, maybe didn't so much, but you still have an attachment to, please let us know. We, we're I'm genuinely very curious. I, I I would love to hear your answers. We have Same. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send us a message there letting us know. Ch- say hi to us. And we'll give you a shout-out. Uh, check out our YouTube hi. channel. We each have letterboxes and- as I said.
1: Even if your name is Brian and you live in Idaho, we will still shout you out, regardless of the history we have with a certain Brian from with, with Idaho. With a certain
0: Brian, with a certain uh, fictitious Brian from Idaho. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, that that about wraps it up. Check us out for our season five finale. That is episode fifty next week.
1: Have a good night, everyone. Ah! Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. You both are so great. Thank you for the music that you make. And, of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are going to get a little controversial with uh, some war-type movies that are comedies. Please don't listen if you're a child. We're really stressing that. Please don't listen if you're a child. Stay tuned.